When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Just point to the logo on my chest and tell them. Slam me, A-go. 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 Hit it up hard. Hit it with strike. Hit it with strike. From the national anthem to the bottom of the night. I'm in. Slam me, What's up, everybody? Hope everyone is doing well. Welcome to episode 312 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. Ben Fadden here. A, uh, this is going to be a fun one, I think. A 2022 Padres year and review. Just looking back at everything that happened in this 2022 calendar year. I don't say 2022 season because I'm not limiting this to just what happened during the season. I'm going through the entire calendar year because that's what we're about to close the books on. Uh, 2022. So... I wanted to go month by month, what happened this month, or what happened each month in the year, probably starting in March, because that's when the lockout ended, so we'll go with March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, December, what happened with the Padres, I'll give my thoughts on it, and people that are here live on YouTube, you can give your thoughts on uh, different events that happened that I'm going to be discussing. Uh, so we'll go month by month. Hopefully you guys enjoy this. Just looking back at the year, kind of diving into everything that happened. And I'm not just going to be talking about, you know, the big things that happened, like 
the Padres, the Mets wild card. Obviously, we'll get to that, or Padres beating the Dodgers, or specific trades. Like we'll talk about that, but little moves that happen as well. Like oh, the Padres having Nomar Mazara on the team and Robinson Cano, and how that worked out. So let's get into that. Uh, let's start with the month of March. March 10th was the date I was doing research yesterday. That was the date that the Major League Baseball lockout ended. Remember, we started the 2022 year with nothing. It was a lockout, and it was pretty much updates. Like, maybe not every day, but it was close to every day of, oh, okay, Major League Baseball and the Players Association, they're meeting in New York, and they're trying to negotiate a deal. The players, they don't want to have you know these limits on them and the league they obviously want to control things um there was some bargaining or you know they they there was going to see if they could do an international draft but they couldn't agree on that by a certain date during the season there was a lot of things that went into it but a lockout hap- that, that's what started the year and then They ended up reaching an agreement March 10th, so the lockout ended. And then it was pretty much immediately players and teams, they reported to spring training. Like, so players were, you know, they were staying ready and all that, and they reported to spring training. And we learn March 14th that Fernando Tatis Jr. had fractured his wrist. And Tatis revealed that he had multiple accidents. A reporter asked him when was the accident, and he said, which one? So that was not a great start to spring training. Uh, you could, um, I don't think you could you know, draw up a, a worse start to spring training. And he had Bob Melvin coming in and had Tatis and Manny and blah, 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 blah. Like this was going to be a great start. You know, during the offseason, we did hear about Fernando and the motorcycle accidents or the accident, but we weren't led to believe like this was like this serious thing, at least from what I remember. And then, yeah, fractured wrist. He's going to be out for three, four months. And it was like, well, that's a kick in the nuts. That's just right in the balls. That sucked. Uh, but Hassan Kim filled in, obviously. He filled in good, you know, this season. Uh, and I, I, I can't wait to see Fernando back in 2023. Obviously, this fractured wrist, it was like, yeah, this is a bummer, but we'll still get Fernando. You know, at the end of the year, second half of the year, he'll come back. He can help us if we make the postseason, like, that's all we care about, right? If he's healthy for the postseason and we're in the postseason, he'll be able to help then. But then obviously he gets suspended. And it's like, okay, well, oh crap. Uh Asan Kim's our shortstop the whole year. So nothing against Asan Kim, but it was just it was obviously very, very disappointing that, you know, you have these high expectations of Fernando, you know, 40 plus home runs in 2021, and then you don't get to see him to start the year. He was rehabbing, playing rehab games in San, Ant- San Antonio. I think he tripled in one of the games. 
It was like, all right, we're going to see this guy. This is great. And then, boom, he flies home without telling anyone. There's a suspension. And it's like, what the heck just happened? Like, the most unlikely news ever, right? Like, we were not expecting that at all. And it didn't seem like anyone in the organization was expecting it either. And so I'll get to that because that's later in the season. But we're, we're, we're talking about March here. So the fractured wrist happens. In March, the Padres also signed Nick Martinez. He obviously was very impactful for the Padres. I was not a huge fan of the, the structure of the deal. I didn't know a whole lot about Nick Martinez at the start of it anyway. Uh, but I believe my viewpoint on the deal at the time was like, why are we giving so much control to Nick Martinez? Like, if he has a good year, he's going to opt out. If he has a bad year, then he's going to take this money. It's like, okay, why are you giving this much money to a guy that we don't really know much about, hasn't proved himself? He's coming over from, what, Japan or wherever it was? Like, I, I, I wasn't too sold on it at the time. But I, I was wrong, uh, or I don't know if I was wrong. Like, I didn't say, like, this was a bad move. So I didn't have, like, that hot take about it. But I was like, eh, we'll, we'll see. I, I wasn't the highest on it. But I love Nick Martinez now. I mean, you know, it, I've said this so many times, his ability to take the ball and do, do whatever role the Padres want. Uh, you know, Bob Melvin wants him to start the year as a starting pitcher. Okay. Wants him to end the year as a reliever. Okay. I'll take that. And he, you know, parlayed that into a, a big contract and he earned it. Right. Um, so I, I, I can't wait to see Nick Martinez, um, in a Padres uniform for 2023. And he has an opt out right after this season. So hopefully he doesn't opt out. And if he does, then. The Padres can bring him back on, what, 15 mil? Something like that on the club options for the next two years. So hopefully Nick Martinez is a Padre for the next three years, but we shall see. That was a signing that happened in March. They also acquired Matt Beatty from the Dodgers. I think I was actually excited about this move when that happened. I was like, okay, you know, Matt Beatty, uh, he... This is one of the guys on the Dodgers that was like a nobody, and he was actually a, a valuable piece to the Dodgers. So I was like, yeah, okay, a versatile guy. He can play the outfield. This is a, a good outfield depth piece. Boy, were we wrong about that. That Matt Beatty, he did like nothing with the Padres. Let me look up his numbers. But I mean, at the time, right, because it was in March, at the time, I think we were okay with the move. Like, yeah, okay, we, we stole someone from the Dodgers, right? But he ended up with a negative F war, didn't play many games at all with the Padres, 20 games, 47 plate appearances. His batting average was under 100. His on-base percentage was 170. It just wasn't pretty, right? Uh, that happened in March. The Padres acquired Luke Voigt in March. I see someone in the, I think Irene in the chat here is talking about Void already with the chess moss. Yeah. Um, I was excited about, uh, about that move. Uh, I thought it, you know, with Haas, obviously us Padres fans before this season, we weren't like confident that this guy was going to be this amazing player. I know he had a hot start in April, 
but then he, you know, cooled off and it was really Manny carrying the team the whole year. There were other pieces that contributed, you know, had had hot spurts during the year, but Manny was the consistent one, obviously. And that's why I think he should have won MVP. Uh, but with Voigt at the time, I liked the move, could play first, could DH. Um, yeah, we knew he was going to strike out, but he didn't really have a role with the Yankees anymore because uh, they had Rizzo at first and they had Stanton DHing, and Voigt's a starting caliber player. And so I think Voigt, at least I thought this was his mentality going in, I want to prove the Yankees wrong. Like, I'm so glad to be on a contender right now. I'm going to make Yankees fans pissed off that they don't still have me on their roster. And that probably was his mentality. Um, I don't want to say, yeah, yeah, it wasn't a failure with the Padres. It definitely wasn't. Um, like, the power was there. Obviously, I wish he wouldn't have struck out as much as he did. I, I will say this. He was obviously a fan favorite. And it would have been interesting to see how Luke Voigt would have ended the Padres season with them going to the postseason. What would have happened? I know if Voigt was on the team, then Josh Bell and Brandon Jury wouldn't have been, or one of them wouldn't have been. Let's say if Voigt was still on the team because Hosmer accepted the trade to Washington, what would Voigt have done with the Padres? It would have been Josh Bell probably still coming over with Soto. So it would have been Bell and Voigt, and Voigt probably de-aging most of the time. How would that have worked out? Would Voigt have come up? Would he, would he have, excuse me, come up with huge hits like Drury did in the NLCS in Game 2? Would he have done that? Or would he have uh, contributed in the NLDS? Would he contributed in the Wild Card Series like Josh Bell did? Uh, you know, I would have I been interested in seeing how that would have ended with the Padres. What would have happened? Because he really was a fan favorite. He really loved being with the Padres. That's what it felt like. I remember that one Sunday game in Washington. He was uh, talking with Mud. It was on the Peacock broadcast. And Mud like, gave him a shirt, uh, I think, with like the chess moss on it, like a chess moss shirt. So that just kind of is a, an example of how much, how much San Diego loved him, the connection that he did have with people with the Padres. Uh, so yeah, that sucked to see Luke Voigt get traded later in the year, but in March, I think we were excited about getting Luke Voigt, you know, getting a Yankee. Whenever you acquire a Yankee, I think some casual fans are like, oh, it's a Yankee. Yeah, this is a good move, right? Kind of saw that with Matt Carpenter. Um, I think the Carpenter move, by the way, is a good move, not just because he was with the Yankees, but you know, that big spotlight, they they can handle it, right? We could see that they can handle it. They proved that. So it's like, okay, well, if you can handle that, you can handle with being with the Padres. Um, so, you know, with Voight, let me look up how he did. His numbers. Because I, I think he was kind of average. He wasn't great, but I don't, I don't think he sucked with the Padres. Oh, Fangraphs is only going to bring up his whole year. His whole year, he hit 22 home runs. That's the same amount of home runs he hit in 2020. But that was like a, you know, a big 56-game stretch where, you know, he played healthy 56 of the 60 games. Um, he still took his walks. Yeah, he struck out over 30% of the time. That's not great, right? 
but he was hitting 298 when he put the ball in play. You know, he hit, he hit the ball hard when he did put the ball in play. It just felt like he struck out a lot, you know? Okay. So that's kind of what happened in March. Lockout ended. Preller announces that Tatis fractured wrist. Tatis admits to having multiple surgeries, or multiple, not surgeries, multiple uh, motorcycle accidents. And then Beatty's acquired, Voigt's acquired. And then as we head to April, remember, the season started, I believe, April 7th. So there was still time in the beginning of the month of April to make moves to improve the team before the regular season started. And the Padres, they acquired Shamanaya for Agent Martinez and Uri Biel Angelus. Is that how you say his name? I probably mispronounced that. I'm sorry to him. Um, with Manaya, obviously, he was a good clubhouse guy. I think he was a fan favorite during the regular season, but then in the postseason, he that definitely was not the case, right? NLCS game four, yeah, game four, he gets shelled by the Phillies, just giving up gappers all over the place. I think he gave up a home run to Reese Hoskins the second inning that he went out. I didn't agree with Bob Melvin's decision there, but that's what happened. That's you know he, he just should have pitched better. And then he signs with the Giants, and in the press conference or the the Zoom introduction, you know introductory Zoom conference, the meeting with the media for the first time, he admits that he was lazy at times for the Padres this past season, and obviously that that doesn't look good. Um, it's a bad look. That doesn't resonate well with the Padres fans, and it shouldn't. It doesn't resonate well with me. I understand that these guys are you know, young still, professional athletes. There's a lot that goes in their lives. It's a lot of dedication, uh, you know, the countless workouts and the long days at the ballpark. But when we're sitting here as fans, and it's like we're not making millions of dollars like you are, Sean, we would love to be at the ballpark every day. Some of us, some fans here watching or listening to this, they have a regular job. Some of you might not like your job, and you'd love to be in Shamanaya's position, and you'd work your butt off every day if you were in Shamanaya's position. So it's not a good look for him to say, yeah, I was lazy. I'm glad I went through this past season because now I know that I need to work harder if I want to be here, you know, play Major League Baseball consistently, and, you know, I just have to put in the work. I, you know, mentally have to be there. We wish he didn't have to go through that in 2022 with the Padres because we were relying on him to make some big appearances. And one of those was in the postseason and he got shelled. Right. Uh, but I was excited when the Padres got Manai. I thought that was a really key or I thought it was going to be a really key addition. He was he's he was a pretty big name at the time. I think he still is. Not an all-star name, but you see it. You know, you see the notification pop up on your phone. Padres acquire Shamanaya. You're like, oh, okay, yeah. Starting pitching depth. Add another starter. You remember you had Mackenzie Gore at the time. Like, yeah, okay, sign me up here. That's a good move. Um, I don't want to say it was a bad move, but it, it just didn't end as well as we wanted, right? So that happened in April, to start off April. Then Clev started the season on the I.O. with the knee. And 
we know that he was battling through that the whole season. He was telling the media after starts and after games, yeah, I'm just I'm battling with something here, trying to make it work, working with the training staff. So he was not fully healthy. That's another one where it's like, man, I just wish he was fully healthy. Because he, he told Ben and Woods a few weeks ago that he's ready to go. And he feels very, very good going into this spring training that he's going to be going into with the Chicago White Sox now. And it's like, damn. I wish we would have had that here. Wish we would have had him fully healthy with the Padres. That would have been nice, right? Now he's going to go be like this Cy Young candidate with the White Sox, right? That's just kind of seems, that's just how it works, I guess, right? That's what it feels like with the Padres. Um, so he started the season on the IL. The Padres traded Victor Caratini to Milwaukee. They didn't need him. They had catching depth. They had Alfaro. Uh, and then on opening day, they traded Emilio Pagan and Chris Paddock to the Minnesota Twins for Taylor Rogers, at the time, this was like, yeah, Taylor Rogers. this guy is, we upgraded our bullpen here. That's, a, that's like an elite closer. And he did do his job uh, for the most part. He was, what, second in saves? I mean, he'll tell you that. He told the media. But then, you know, at the end there, I didn't want him on the team. I was like, all right, I'm done with this guy. When you... You're blowing saves. You're not pitching well. And it's against the Detroit Tigers of all teams. And then you go to the media after the game and say, no, I'm fine. I don't need to work on stuff. This is pretty much what he said. I you know, Go look at who's leading the league in saves. Like he's second in, I think he was second in saves at that time, and he was pointing that out to the media, to the fans. Like, no, I'm fine. I'm, I'm good. He was, like, content with it, and that pisses me off. When I am sitting here as a fan, and my family's paying a bunch of money for season tickets, and other fans are paying a bunch of money for tickets and merchandise and spending hours and hours and hours investing time in this team, watching this team, paying attention to this team, you know, I, I don't want to hear someone being content with, okay, I, I was good you know, the past two months, but I suck now, but it's okay because I was good these past two months. No. I want someone working their butt off every day. Maybe that's just the competitiveness in me. If I was in that situation and I was sucking it up, I'd be pissed off. I'd be saying, no, this is not good enough. I'm going to fix this. But he didn't take that. Or that's, not what he was, that's not what he was telling the media when he was sucking it up in Detroit against the Tigers. And so Taylor Rogers then was traded for Josh Hader. And I'm glad that we have Josh Hader now and not Taylor Rogers. As for Pagan and Paddock, that deal that happened in April, I actually liked Chris Paddock. I didn't like what he said about the Padres uniforms and the UPS stuff. And I understand why fans don't like him. Uh, I'm not the hugest fan of him anymore. But I was when he was here. Uh, there was a lot of people that thought I looked like him because I had longer hair back then. Um, there are some some people close to me were like, "Oh, that's your dad. You you finally met your dad." Yeah, I had a I have a picture of him up on my personal, I think Instagram, uh, and I, I look like I could be his son. Um, 
I liked him. I, I liked the competitiveness that he had in 2019, but I did realize, like, this guy, he is struggling. He's not the same. He has not been able to stay that same pitcher that he was in 2019, or the league maybe figured him out, right? And uh, he just didn't have enough pitches, I didn't feel like. He wasn't hitting spots. And so I was fine with the Padres trading him. And he goes to Minnesota, makes a few starts, then he gets hurt. So it, you don't want to ever see someone get hurt. Uh, but that trade looks like it has worked out for the Padres because they were able to use Taylor Rogers to go get Josh Hader, right? And I'd rather have Josh Hader than Emilio Pagan and Chris Paddock. Like, that's what it comes down to. Hader, I'd rather have Hader than Taylor Rogers as well, right? Um, so that's... That's kind of what happened in April. Uh, Tatis was placed on the 60-day IL. They, the Padres, when they started the season, they lost to Arizona on opening day on a walk-off home run. I think it was Seth Beer was his name. They gave, like, free beers to Diamondbacks fans later in the series. So that wasn't a great start. Robert Suarez, I think he, he struggled pretty badly on opening day. But then, you know, Later in the year, when it mattered most, he was dominant, right? Uh, in the home opener, the Padres, they smashed Atlanta. I think it was 12-1, to right? C.J. Abrams hit a home run. His first, I think it was his first at-bat, or first hit at Petco Park in his career as a major leaguer is a home run to left. Joe Musgrove pitched well. Manny Machado, I think, did he have five hits? I think he had. I think that was the game. He had five hits. Uh, it was a great start to Peco Park home opener. I was in New York at the time, but I was like, man, I missed that. And so I was glad to be back home. Uh, you know, for the rest of the season from that like Cub series when they were at home June, whenever that was. Uh, came back and I've been home ever since. But uh, yeah, that that looked like a great atmosphere there for the home opener at Peco Park. Uh, also in April, Trace Thompson was called up. Austin Adams was placed on the IL. Myers was placed on the IL with a thumb contusion. He then came back, obviously. Uh, but Adams was on the IL and never returned. Remember that guy? I don't know if some fans remember Austin Adams, but uh, he made like two appearances this season. We all remember him from 2021, where he you know set the record for the most hit by pitches like in a season. Uh, that was embarrassing. Just couldn't get the slider to break enough, I guess. Uh, or he wasn't starting it in the right spot. Uh, but yeah, that was disappointing. And he is no longer on the team. I don't believe it. I think he was DFA'd or released by the Padres earlier this offseason. So that sucked to not have him in the bullpen. Having that nasty slider. It was a nasty slider. He just, it was only nasty when he could control it and throw it where he wanted to. Most of the time, he was hitting guys, right? Um, so that was the month of April. Let me see what the chat's saying here. I'll get to the month of May. We're already, you know, 25 minutes in here, and I'm only through April. So, like, I, when I said deep dive, or when I said I'm going through everything that happened, that's what I'm doing. Because um, there's going to be some people that might, you know, say, oh, how great 2022 was. But I, I really want to go all in on this. Like, what happened? I think it's, hopefully it's good for you good people here in the chat and listening and watching. 
to kind of look back and like, oh, yeah, I remember this guy was here. Oh, yeah, this guy was on the major league roster at, at one point. Oh, yeah. Uh, remember, we made that trade on opening day. Or, you know, there was this game during the season. I think it's fun to look back on since there's not a whole lot happening Padres-wise right now. Um, what was their last move? Matt Carpenter? Seth Lugo? Just waiting on starting pitching, uh, seeing if they'll get a starter. There's been some rumblings. I did an episode yesterday about the Trent Grisham and Hassan Kim stuff. Should they trade Grisham? Should they trade Kim? So I don't really want to talk about that too much on this, but you can go watch or listen to that. That's episode 311. Uh, this is just a, a look back on 2022. Irie says, Hosmer is such a scumbag. I'm sorry he screwed Void and the Nationals would have took on some of his contract. Yeah, they would have, yeah. The Padres are taking on everything of Hosmer's contract. The Red Sox paid Hos like minimum salary. The Padres are paying him like 39 mil for the next three years. If I was Haas, I probably would have accepted the trade to the Red Sox and not the Nationals like he did because the Red Sox maybe had an outside chance of contending. Maybe he thought that the Red Sox were going to be a contender for this season. Maybe he thought he was going to be on the team because the Red Sox didn't have to really pay him at all. But not when they have Tristan Costas there at first base and they bring in Justin Turner and there's just not a spot for him. He's not a good player anymore. Uh, Flygod97 says, 2023 will be the best Padres season in the history of the franchise. I hope so. I definitely hope so. Adam says, the players we traded for Hater, three out of four of them are not even in the organization. Preller fleeced the Brewers. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Brewers players in the clubhouse knew it was a mistake right when that happened. All right. Let's get to the month of May. So Jorge Alfaro, he had that walk-off on Mother's Day. Uh, that was great. I remember I was in my dorm room, and I was slamming the table and clapping loudly when that happened. I was pumped. Uh, and, you know, on Mother's Day, that, that was a great uh, memory from this 2022 season. Mr. Walk-off himself. With that walk-off homer, Don's call was great as well. Uh, Clev was activated off the IL, started at Cleveland. That was that doubleheader. Uh, Denelson Lamette was optioned, uh, and now he's with the Colorado Rockies. Um, did the Rockies? No, no, no. They traded Lamette in the Hater deal. I totally forgot about that. We'll get to that later because that happened later in the season. Uh, but Lamette had a 9.49 ERA with the Padres. Not great. They DFA'd Trace Thompson after bringing him up. Remember, he got that hit, I think, in Pittsburgh early in the season. And it was like, oh, okay, yeah. He, he tore it up in AAA with El Paso. And then he did pretty much nothing. Uh, signed Robinson Cano. That was also in May. Remember that? The Mets said, yeah, we don't want you. We'll pay you the rest of the salary, kind of like a Hosmer situation. Don't want you. But it wasn't a trade. The Padres just signed him. Uh, he comes and he had like that good game. I think he debuted against the Braves in Atlanta. Then he had like two RBIs, two, a two RBI game in Philly that one night. 
But then he did pretty much nothing after that. Uh, what was his average? 0 0.091. That's what it, that's what he hit with the Padres. Yeah. See, we got people in the comments forgot about Cano. Yeah. See? That was a part of 2022. Robinson Cano. Would he he would have probably got a ring, right? If the Padres won it all this past season. Wow. Uh I know fans make the joke. Yeah, maybe they shouldn't have brought in Cano because the ringworm stuff, the PED stuff. Uh yeah. I don't want to say I was excited about bringing in Cano, but I was definitely intrigued. I was definitely interested. Like, oh, what's going to happen here? You know? Oh, you know, you, you, it's the name. And you're not paying him anything. Maybe he's pissed off that the Mets let him go and he's motivated to play well. Or maybe he can give you a couple months. No, kind of gave you a couple games, a couple moments, and then, you know, did nothing. Um, what else happened in the month of May? Crony made that great diving catch against their diving stop against the Brewers. Nick Martinez was on the mound. I remember that man. What a play that was. He was playing like the shortstop position. Colton Wong was hitting, had that grounder up the middle. Crony dives from his knees, makes the throw over to first. Ha yes, Haas was the first baseman, but it was an easy throw right to him. It wasn't something where he had to step into the base pass on a throw right to him. No, this, this one was in the air, just perfect throw. What a play. Nick Martinez was pumped up. That was the first time that we really got to see Nick Martinez, like, super pumped up, at least from what I remember. Um, so that was a really cool moment. Zokar ended up walking off that game. I think it was with a single. Padres won. That was a pretty memorable game as well. Probably an honorable mention for the best games of the year. I also have an episode out on that if you want to go uh, listen or watch that top five games of 2022 ranked also some honorable mentions in there as well because there were more than just five games but i wanted to narrow it down to, to the top five and include some honorable mentions in there uh end of may was it may 29th something like that trent grisham had the walk-off home run against the pirates i want to say uh walk-off homer off the right field foul pole uh that was that was a cool moment at Peco, right? Um, I think Mackenzie Gore, he started that game, and he had like this really, really tremendous start. They obviously ended up trading him, but Gore had went through some ups and downs, but then he had a great start there. It was like, oh man, if that was, if that's the Gore we can get consistently, holy cow, rookie of the year, we might see it coming his way. That was before, you know, he gets traded and gets hurt, and then he was out for the year. I don't even think he appeared in a game with the Nationals after he got traded, but we'll get to that. So that's what happened in the month of May. In the month of June, Cano was optioned. Again, that whole thing did not work out well. What I do remember was, and I gave him props for this, was he went down to the minor leagues, and he was he mentored. Esther Ruiz and CJ Abrams was down there at, at a time. And he wore the SpongeBob uniforms with El Paso. Like he was willing to do that to see if uh, another team wanted to pick him up from AAA there, give him another chance. And that ended up happening. He went to the Atlanta Braves. Uh, the Padres brought up Nomar Mazzara. That worked longer than Cano, worked longer than Trace Thompson. But we knew 
he was going to get sent down at some point. Uh, Myers went to the IL after being activated with the from the what the thumb thing, the thumb contusion. Went to the IL, right knee inflammation. He'd be out for a couple months, but then he returned when the Padres needed him. Uh, like he was really valuable at first base there defensively. I know he wasn't great with the bat, but he was pretty valuable there at the end of the year. And it was great to see him healthy and contributing to the team, you know, at the end of the season when that magical run happened there. Uh, Ryan Weathers made a start in Chicago. He obviously struggled with El Paso this year, but they still had him come up for that start. Uh, it wasn't wasn't terrible. Padres beat the Cubs, I want to say 12 to 5. Yeah, 12-5 and 19-5 on back-to-back nights. That was at Wrigley. I know Voight homered off of a Cubs position player. Was it Patrick Wisdom? I want to say it was I want to say it was Wisdom. He was pitching. Voight homered to center. Manny got his 1500th hit during that series. Crony. That was when Crony was the hottest like hitter on the planet. Uh, like for that like two-week, three-week span there. Um Padres beat the Mets 13-2 to behind a 5-RBI day from Crony. That was also in June. Uh, that was also, that month was when Ryan Flaherty was the manager because Bob Melvin had, I think, COVID. Ryan Christensen had COVID. Um, yeah, it, it was weird. I remember I was kind of, I don't know. I don't know if I was baffled, but. It was I was confused why the Padres had Ryan Flaherty be the interim manager when they had Mike Schilt sitting right next to him on the bench because they had Mike Schilt. He was like he's like a front office advisor. Uh, he was working with some minor league guys during the season, and so he was kind of going back and forth between the major league uh, part of you know the organization and the minors, and he was there, former manager. With the with the Cardinals former manager of the year, and so I was like, "Why is Schilt not managing this team?" But they had Ryan Flaherty do it. Flaherty, it kind of made sense now looking back at it. I didn't I didn't look at it from this view at the time, but it's like, well, Flaherty, he was around the team every day. Schilt wasn't around the team every day, and I know Schilt he could have done the job, but the Padres probably thought, "And eh, Flaherty, he could manage at some point." Let him manage for a couple games. It's not going to be the. It's not the end of the world. Schilt can help him out, and we'll see what happens. Uh, so that's what they did. That was a little interesting thing that happened in June of this season. Also, uh, Austin Nola beat Aaron Nola one nothing when the Phillies came to town. Nola, I think it was an RBI single to right field. Nola was right center in the NLCS, but the regular season, it was to right field, right field single to right, and that brought in a run. Padres won that one, I think, one to nothing. Manny also, obviously, was that Father's Day, I want to say. He suffered that ankle injury. Uh, Was it fractured? It was fractured, right? We thought, or some fans thought, man, this might end his season. This is going to end the Padres season as well. Because this is before they got Juan Soto, before they got Josh Hader, Will Myers was still hurt. Like things weren't looking good when Manny got hurt there. It was like, man, he couldn't walk off. And we know Manny, he's the ultimate competitor. He's tough. 
he couldn't walk off the field. And I remember I was at San Diego State for some uh, AUX Pro Softball, which was a cool event. And I'm looking at my phone. I'm like, seriously? The one game I miss, Manny gets hurt. And I'm watching a video. I'm like, oh, man, this is not good. This is not good at all. And he ends up missing, what, nine games? It was a miracle. That guy is just, he's not a human being. He's not like us. He is different. You know, he, he is different. I'd like to say I have the same competitive desire as he does, but I definitely would have come, I wouldn't have come back in nine days. You know, he, he's just different. Uh, the rehab that he did, coming back from that, what do you say, like 14, 15 hours of rehab that he did every day and not getting a whole lot of sleep, and the team was in Arizona, but he wanted to debut, or not debut, but make his return as fast as he could to help this team make the playoffs because he knew that he was that valuable to the Padres. So he drove from Arizona to Los Angeles to keep the swelling or the pressure in his ankle down or as, as to lessen the pressure as, as, much as, he, as much as he could. Um, that's not something a lot of players would do, I don't think. Or maybe they wouldn't even think about that. I don't know. But that, I thought that was impressive. Some, you know, Talk about most valuable player. There you go. I, I thought he should have won MVP because that's what MVP is, valuable. It's not MOP, most outstanding. It's the most valuable player. But anyway, you know my thoughts on that. So that was the month of June. Dang, we still got a lot to go here. Month of July, Manny returned from the ankle injury at Dodger Stadium as the DH. Uh, Sergio Alcantara was claimed off waivers. He played a little bit for the Padres. Then I think he went back to the Diamondbacks, if I remember correctly. Profar suffered that nasty concussion on the collision with C.J. Abrams. I was at that game. The whole ballpark like went silent. Very, very scary there. Uh, but I'm glad that Profar didn't miss a ton of time. I would have been fine if he missed a ton of time because it was a concussion. Like, take your time, man. It's it's not a you know that that's more important than regular season games here. Uh, but that did suck to see that uh, see Profar go out on the stretcher there. Man, that that was scary. Um, Alfaro had the walk off hit against San Francisco. One of his like five walk-offs this season. Cano was traded to the Braves after an unsuccessful tenure with the Padres. Padres brought up Estieri Ruiz. Remember, he got off to a very good start, I thought. You know, he was playing center field a little bit. That was when Grisham was struggling defensively, too, not just offensively. And so the Padres, they wanted to make a change there for a little bit, give Grisham some time off. Ruiz played some left field as well. Uh, but then he was obviously traded in that hater deal. Um, Gore went to the 15-day IL right elbow, and that was the last that we saw of him. Uh, he was, I'll talk about McKenzie for a sec here, because I think it's a good time. Um, I know that the trade's going to happen later in this timeline, but you know, McKenzie, he was a top prospect for the Padres, right? You know, top pick out of North Carolina. He was Gatorade Player of the Year in high school. 
And it's like, man, okay, we got a lefty starting pitcher. This guy can be an ace for us in the future. Like That's what we were hoping for, right? That's what we were envisioning. That's what any club envisions when they draw when they draft a top guy, a top arm, you know, as your first round pick in the MLB draft. Um, and he might end up being a great pitcher with Washington, but we weren't envisioning that AJ was going to go trade for Darvish, Snell, and Musgrove in like a week span. And then Peter Seidler is going to take control of the franchise over, uh, over Ron Fowler and then go spend boatloads of money, and some of that can be starting pitching. right? If we knew that, then maybe it was like, oh, well, maybe they have Gore as a trade piece here, but we didn't know that at the time. Uh, I wish McKenzie the best. I applaud him for working through everything that he, or, you know, going through all that he had to go through and work through in the minor leagues. Remember 2020, he like sucked. We weren't seeing it because it was at USD. Like they weren't broadcasting those, those live BPs, simulated games or whatever it was. Um, but like his mechanics were all out of whack. They sent him in 2021. He was at AAA. Well, well, first he had the spring training where he was walking everyone. He couldn't even finish innings. They sent him to AAA still. Then they sent him all the way back to like Peoria to work on stuff. And then I think they sent him back to AAA or they made him work his way back up. And so there were encouraging signs that into 2022, it was very encouraging what we saw in spring training uh, for the most part. And then in the season happened, there were some ups and downs, but there were some very encouraging starts. So I think he's going to be a valuable arm. I hope that he is for the Nationals. Uh, I'm definitely not rooting against him. He's not someone that like I hate or the fan base should hate. Like He did nothing wrong to the franchise. He was just someone that they traded for one freaking Soto. So that's, I guess that's kind of my thoughts on McKenzie and all that. Again, I applaud all the adversity or working through the, adver- the adversity um, that he had to work through because it did not look great. And, you know, you have to applaud Ruben Niebla as well, getting Gore into a place that made him still very appealing to a team like the Nationals for Juan Soto and Josh Bell as well. So thank you, McKenzie Gore, for your contributions to this organization. Okay, so also in July, Manny, Joe, and Crony, they go to the All-Star game. It was Crony's second All-Star appearance back-to-back. It was Joe Musgrove's first All-Star appearance. Uh, I forget what All-Star appearance it was for Manny, but it was, I think, his second with the Padres, right? 2021 in Denver and then 2022 in L.A. Dodger fans. They obviously booed the heck out of Manny, and then it was a little, it was a little uh, more silent for Musgrove and Crony, but they still got booed there. Musgrove shoved, he struck out Judge. I want to say it was three up, three down inning. I think, um, I think it was. He didn't face Otani, right? I don't think he did. Uh, Manny had a laser up the middle, but it hit off the mound, and so that allowed. I forget who the infielder was, but it allowed one of the AL infielders. Was it a rise? I forget. It allowed one of the infielders to make a great play uh, 
for a double play. And then Crony, he got in late in the game. There was a hard hit shot that got past him, but I was fine with that. I want the guy. I wanted the guy healthy for later in the year. I don't need him getting hurt in the All Star game. And I think he was that last out in the All Star game. But he was facing Emmanuel Classe, who's who's throwing like a hundred two. Um, so that was that also happened in July. Uh, first game back from the All Star break, you Darvish beat Max Scherzer in New York. Uh, the Padres came back, played Minnesota at Petco. They hit five home runs, beat the Twins on one of the City Connect nights. That was a nice night to be at. Um, the City Connect unis were debuted earlier in the month, July 8th. That obviously was a huge hit among the fan base. I'm, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of the jerseys still, but I've... I've adjusted to the the colors more. Um, they're pretty much the same colors as the San Diego Wave, so I've I've kind of adjusted to that. Uh, I like the hat. Uh, wear that every Friday night to the ballpark. Uh, I like that. And seeing Bogarts and Tatis in the uniform this next season, because remember we didn't see that. Obviously not Bogarts, but we didn't get to see Tatis in it like live at a game. We saw it in that promo that they shot before we learned of the suspension uh but we did not see him actually playing it so that'll be fun to see i don't know how long they're gonna go with the city connect uniforms but you gotta get some use out of them right i mean the whole fan base it felt like went and bought city connect merchandise so you can't have this just be like a one-year two-year thing i would think it maybe 2024 is the last year of it, I think they'd go at least three years with it. Or maybe it's something where it's a Major League Baseball thing. Like, Major League Baseball tells them, yeah, we're, we, we're doing this City Connect thing. You can make the jerseys however you want, but you have to wear them for a certain amount of years. And then we're done as a league with them. Who knows? We'll see. But I, I thought that it, it made it interesting, right? Friday nights, uh, seeing the city connect stuff like it was different around the ballpark uh i kind of learned to like it right um also during all-star week they drafted dylan lesko first round uh high school pitcher i think he's already had tommy john I, I believe he's recovering from that right now so we'll see what he is uh i don't think the padres are gonna like want to go give him up for corbin burns or whatever but if they want Corbin Burns, then they might have to, but that's a conversation for another day. Uh, but they did draft him. They drafted another guy. I'm blanking on his name, but he won, I think, player of the week or player of the month for, I think it's the California League. He played for the Storm. He's like this big guy. Let me look up the Padres draft class from this past year. So they had Robbie Snelling. That was their second pick. 39th overall. Let me scroll down. Griffin Dorshing, that's who it was. First baseman out of Oklahoma State. He's kind of like a Daniel Vogelbach, right? That's kind of what he reminds me of. 
Um, so it looked like a pretty successful draft for the Padres. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and be breaking down every name that they picked back in July. But I, I did want to mention that because that's what happened as well inside the Padres organization in July there. Dylan Lesko as that first pick. So that's the month of July. We still got August, September, October, November, and December to go. Let me go through the chat here. I know I haven't gone through that consistently here. I've been just going through everything that's happened for the Padres so far uh, in 2022. Started in March because that's when the lockout ended. And we have gone through July. Irie says... Taylor Rodgers did his part. He got us a lot of saves. As soon as he got burnt out, we got Josh Hader. Praise A.J. Preller. Yeah, praise A.J. I don't know if Taylor Rodgers was burnt out. I just, once he made that comment to the media where he was just content on, yeah, I have a bunch of saves from earlier this season. I'm doing bad right now, but it, it, it was like he didn't care. Like, I'm fine. Just go look at my numbers. I'm fine. Look at the saves. I'm fine. Like, no, you're not doing good right now, dude. I didn't like that. And so once that happened, I'm like, yeah, go trade the guy. I don't want that guy anymore. Uh, but yeah, praise AJ on that deal. Christopher says 2022 really was a roller coaster ride. Then it turned out to be such a magical postseason for the most part. Can't wait to see how they do next season. I agree. Oh, that's talking about a trade that could that he could do. Uh, Irie says, AJ, for a day or two, team trade involves Kim for Pablo Lopez, Trent, Merrill, Camposano, Morahone for Reynolds, Pirates, Love Flipping Catchers, and Pitchers. Oh, I think you're saying, I think Irie's saying, if this, if they were AJ for a day, they do these trades. Okay. Well, Kim for Pablo Lopez is not enough. The Marlins are, are going to want, they'd probably do Cronoworth for Kim, or Cronoworth for Lopez straight up because Cronoworth is like a really impact player. He's an all-star. But Kim for Lopez, that's not enough. And I would not do that deal. Well, if it was for Kim for Lopez straight up, I would do the deal. I'm saying Cronenworth for Lopez. I wouldn't. I just go sign Cueto. Go sign another free agent. You don't need to be giving up Jake Cronenworth for Pablo Lopez. Uh, and then as for the other one, Trent Merrill, Camposano, Morahone for Reynolds. Um, okay, you're so you're replacing Grisham with Reynolds. That's an upgrade. But you're giving up Merrill, Camposano, and Morahone. So who's your backup catcher now? Is it Pedro Severino? And, okay, if you want to give up Morahone, that's fine. My question is, do the Padres want to give up Jackson Merrill? Like, after him, they don't have other star, highly coveted position players. And we know there are going to be other high, talented position players that will become available after Brian Reynolds that are probably going to be better, that are probably better players than Brian Reynolds. So maybe it's better for the Padres front office just to Go bring back Profar or something, or just don't trade Merrill yet and be patient. Don't don't be trading top prospects every year when it, it's not like they're trading Merrill for Juan Soto. 
Reynolds is a good player, but I don't know. I would just hold off on that for now. Yeah, Adam says Haas is getting interest from the Cubs and the Orioles. In yeah, when I first saw this, I was like, interest in coaching? Like, like actually playing, he's getting interest? Wow, okay. Yeah, Orioles, they have Ryan Mount Mountcastle at first. The Cubs, they don't have a great first base situation, I don't think. Uh, and I, I'm seeing some, like, MLB trade rumors, whoever was writing that piece this morning about Haas getting interest from the Orioles. They are bringing up the veteran leadership. And the Orioles are kind of like where the Padres were in 2019, it feels like. Or maybe, maybe now they're going into 2020 where the Padres were. That's kind of where the Orioles are right now. Like, they could be a good team. Could make the playoffs with some additional moves, but we'll see. Uh, yeah, the veteran leadership thing, they that keeps getting thrown around. That's not, I mean, maybe if you're paying him the league minimum, which is what they'd be doing because the Padres are still paying all of Haas' salary. Maybe if that's the case, then you bring him in for that, but he's not worth giving millions of dollars to for veteran leadership. You can find that elsewhere. I'm sure the Orioles have some veterans on that team. I'm sure they have retired players that can act as veteran leaders they don't have to be players like on the team hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Yeah, I agree, Adam, here. It says, Gore, working with Ruben Niebla was a good impact for him in the beginning of last season. I agree. Yeah. Um, it looked like they fixed mechanics. They got things working. And as I mentioned, there were some good moments with Gore in a Padres uniform. It was like, man, okay, this guy, this guy's legit. We weren't too sure about that after his struggles in 2021. But I thought he, I thought he was going to get back on track with Ruben, and it, it did. So, yeah, wishing him well with Washington. Christopher says the City Connects were so controversial, caused a mixed revert, mixed reviews. Sorry if I could talk. Uh, I thought they were fired, to be honest, since it was so different. At least they were ballsy to even rock that color combo. Yeah, I think they were. I think those jerseys were meant for like Manny and Tatis. They weren't. Let's let's just say they weren't meant for Tim Hill and Craig Stammen and Will Myers, right? That's what, you know, Hassan Kim, I thought looked good in it. Cronenworth, I thought looked good in it. 
that's that's who the Padres I think were thinking of. They were thinking of bringing in the younger audience as well. I'm not a, again. I'm not a huge fan of like the jerseys, but I've gotten used to the color combo stuff like that. All right, let's get to where are we? Month of August. So this is where all the trades happened and the Musgrove extension was announced. We'll get to that here in a sec, but first, this episode is sponsored by Gaglione Bros Famous Cheese Steaks and Garlic Fries. Their main location is on Friars Road, and you can visit gaglionebros.com for their menu and contact information. You can also enjoy their cheese steaks and fries at Petco Park and inside Snapdragon Stadium. All right, so getting back to the year in review for the Padres, so in August... The Padres acquired Josh Hader for Taylor Rogers, SDR Ruiz, Del Nelson Lamette, and Robert Gasser. Robert Gasser might be a really good reliever, but right now the Padres are trying to win. At the time, the Padres are trying to go all in to win for 2022. So obviously, as a Padres fan, you're fine with the move. Giving up SDR Ruiz, all right, whatever. He's with like the A's now. Uh, giving up Taylor Rogers, that, yeah, that's fine. Hader's an upgrade over him for a guy that, you know, was content with not pitching well against the Detroit Tigers. Um, Lamette had a nine-plus ERA with the Padres. Like, all right, yeah, they, they invested a lot of time into Nelson, but it just wasn't working. Padres are going all in. They just don't have time to be investing resources into Lamette when it's just not working. And you can't rely on him to stay healthy consistently. So it, it, it made sense to move on there. And Hader, man, he he struggled. He went through a tough stretch there, obviously. Like, you know, that Kansas City outing where Myers got more outs. Yeah, Will Myers got more outs than Josh Hader did in that Kansas City game. That's how bad it was. Uh, the Nationals games that I, I was at, both of those. Terrible games. I mean, and, and sitting there on field level and, you know, like a swinging bun, I think it was. And he throws it, into, uh, throws it into right field past Josh Bell. Gives up a home run to a guy that's never hit a home run in the big leagues before. I think it was Joey Manessis to left. Like, he was really, really struggling. But he got back on the horse. He wanted it. Want, wanted, what I mean by that is he wanted the closer role, and he went back and got it. He went to work, and he got it. Got it back. So uh, props to him. Kind of like Gore working through things. Props to Hater for going and working through things, fixing the landing spot. I think that's kind of what he was focused on and being more, was it more upright? I forget if he was trying to be more upright or he was trying to be more, more like work more left to right. He was trying to work towards throwing, like I know this sounds stupid, but I believe he was telling the media he was working on working towards the plate. Like, he, he found himself veering off a little bit, you know, with the, the, the big windup that he has and all, this, all the moving parts. It was easy for him to kind of, I don't know how to put this. It was easy for him to yank a little bit, right? Yank the ball, um, not stay direct towards the plate. And so that's what he was working on. Uh, and. It worked. 
So props to Ruben Niebla. I think he worked with an outside pitching coach as well, the same coach that Musgrove and Clev worked with uh, before this past season. So, yeah, I mean, put it in the work, and he got back the closer role. And obviously we saw what happened in the postseason. I know everyone's going to bring up, oh, he should have been pitching in game five against the Phillies against Bryce Harper, not Robert Suarez. Again, I'll say I was fine with the decision to have Suarez in there. Bryce Harper was the best hitter on the planet at the time. Suarez, it's not like they put in a pitcher that you shouldn't have trusted in the situation. Like he was on the they, the Padres had the same confidence in Hayter and Suarez. Like they were on the same level. Same confidence in Suarez as they did in Josh Hader. So I can't be bashing that situation. I, I was looking at it from Bob Melvin's point of view. Like, yeah, I would have went with Robert Suarez there. But getting back to Hader, NLDS, I mean, game four, we're going to remember that. Striking out Betts, Turner, and Freeman all in that same inning. The last eight batters that he faced in the postseason were all strikeouts, I think. So, yeah, this trade's working out pretty darn good for Josh Hader. Uh, the Musgrove extension happened, or the press conference, it was officially announced. That was the day the Padres acquired Hader, and that was uh, when I think AC was trying to get something out of Preller, like, okay, what are you going to be doing here? And Preller was like, eh, watching a little baseball. And I, I cut that clip up, posted on social media, and I'm like, this is what I'm going to be doing today. When anyone asks me what I'm doing from – April to or March to October. <laughs> uh, watching a little baseball today. That was kind of funny from that press conference, but it was cool to see Musgrove. You know, it's like, okay, you know, realize uh, what this extension meant for him and his family. 100 mil, like they're set. Gets to pitch in San Diego like a childhood dream and be the ace for the Padres for years and years and years to come. I know Darvish is probably like the big ace, but. Darvish might not be here in 2024, but we know Musgrove will be, right? Same thing for 2025. We know Musgrove will be. Uh, so that was cool. And having Crony and Manny there at the presser, being great teammates. Uh, it was cool to see Musgrove, you know, get that, get that extension. Anyone that knows me knows that Musgrove is one of my favorite players. And uh, I wanted that guy here bad like I was campaigning bad like really really campaigning a lot for Musgrove to get that extension done him and the Padres and uh, a lot of fans were too it's not like it was just me a lot of fans were uh, because we know what Joe means to the community and it's not just that it's not like we're trying to say give him a hundred million dollars because he's good with the community no we saw how great this guy has been with the Padres 2021 Stayed healthy 2022, stayed healthy. Yeah, he dealt with some rough patches, but we saw in the postseason. Now, we didn't know this because the extension happened before the postseason, but this is a guy that, if you would have told us, yeah, season's on the line, game three wild card series in New York. Who do you want on the mound? Joe Musgrove's going to be on the mound. Yeah, we would have said back then before the extension was signed, yeah, I want that. I'm fine with that. We want this guy on the mound. And it ended up working. Seven innings, gave up one freaking hit. Buck Showalter thought he was so good, he thought he was cheating. Right? Made a fool out of himself. So, I guess my point is, I, I, I'm i very glad that that extension got done. I mean, based on, uh, Jacob DeGrom got $185 million in free agency. Imagine what Musgrove would have gotten in free agency. More than $20 million a year. 
probably more than five years, to be honest. Maybe not, but it would have been more than 100 million, that's for sure. So the Padres got, I, I think it's going to be a bargain. It's going to look like a really good contract by the end of it. So I, I can't wait to see Musgrove continue to pitch for the Padres for the next five years. Also, what happened in August, uh, the Padres, they activated Will from the IL, and he looked comfortable at first base, and obviously, by the end of his Padres tenure, he was handing out beers and buying beers for the city of San Diego, and it was sad to see him go and head to Cincinnati, but maybe a reunion can happen with the trade, uh, but I was, I was glad to see Myers be able to be healthy at the end of this tenure with the Padres, and he did have a positive impact on the team. I know he didn't hit all that well, but he was good defensively at first base. Um, and I thought the Padres could have used him this coming season, but I understand they didn't want to pay him seven and a half mil, nine and a half potentially, because uh, if he gets traded, then it's nine and a half. They didn't want to pay him that much money. So, and that's understandable. Um, what else happened in the month of August? Oh, yeah, they traded Eric Cosmer. What a miracle that was. I remember that day I did my reaction to getting Juan Soto, and I was super pumped about that. The Padre-Rocky game, I think, was about to start, and I get the notification, Cosmer to the Red Sox. I'm like, what? Are you kidding? They ended. They got rid of this guy? They actually did it. They were... You know, because earlier in the day, it didn't look like Hosmer was going to get dealt because he declined the trade to Washington. So I think fans at one point were like, no way, this trade's going to get nixed because of Hosmer. Like, we already hate you, and now you're going to prevent us from getting Juan Soto? Now, we ended up learning that the trade was going to happen even if Hosmer was not in the deal because... They had contingency plans on that, uh, and it ended up working out because Voight was traded there. It was going to be Voight or Myers, and they picked Voight because they were getting jury later in the day, and they got Josh Bell in a trade, so it made sense. Um, but yeah, it was it, it, it was like, wow, this is a miracle. They got rid of Eric Osmer. Now, they didn't get rid of the money. They still have to pay the money, but you get Juan Soto... Josh Bell, Josh Hader, Brandon Jury. Oh, and we don't have to watch Eric Hosmer play in our uniform anymore? Heck yeah. We don't have to spend attention. We don't have to be watching every Eric Hosmer game anymore. Let's go. Like, I still provide updates on social media of how bad Hosmer's doing because, uh, I, I don't know, maybe that makes me feel better. That makes Padres fans probably feel better. Like, F this guy. This guy's not on the team anymore. See what happens when you didn't treat the fan base well. See what happens when it didn't feel like you cared as much as others about winning. You didn't care as much uh, as us as, um, or you didn't care as much as we did about bringing a championship to San Diego. You just came here for the money. Uh, so it's like, yeah, f you, get the hell out of here, you know. Um, but yeah, it, it was. I'm probably just going round and round here and repeating. My thoughts, but yeah, it was a great day to be a Padres fan when they traded Hosmer. Um, they also traded Brent Rooker to Kansas City for Cam Gallagher. Gallagher ended up not even playing really for the Padres. 
Jury acquired Jury for Victor Acosta from the Reds, and Jury ended up being a success with the Padres. Congrats with him or for him um, getting that deal with the Angels. What was it? Two years? I forget how much money was it fifteen mil, fifteen mil total, something like that. Uh, I think he rooted for the Angels growing up, so kind of like a hometown team type thing, or you know, it was like a dream of his to play for the Angels. So good for him, good for him to get to go play for the Angels. He he helped the Padres uh, first game with the Padres. It's the Grand Slam, right? Welcome to Slam Diego. Or Don was what was the call? He said something like, "Yeah." Drury hit the Grand Slam because he's in Slam Diego or something like that. It was a great call. Um, and then in the postseason, NLCS having the big hits in Game 2. Right? Yeah, Game 2. Wouldn't have won that game without him. It sucked that he had to deal with a couple of concussions, but he couldn't really control it, right? They were hit by pitches. I think one was Dustin May. Uh, or else, I mean, he would have put up better numbers with the Padres, I think, that's for sure. August 6th, uh, they sent Tatis on the rehab assignment, and we were like, oh, wow, okay, they got Soto, they added Soto, Drury, Bell, we don't have Hosmer, we have Manny as an MVP candidate, and they're getting Tatis back. Holy crap. And then the suspension happened, obviously. August 6th, they sent him out for the for the suspension, or not the sent him out for the suspension. They sent him out for the rehab assignment, and then on August twelfth, they suspended him, Major League Baseball for the PEDs, while the Padres uh, were in Washington. So it was complete shock to the organization, and that was like the day that Juan Soto was supposed to. Re- yeah, that was the day Soto returned to Washington, and there was supposed to be that big spotlight on him, right? Soto is going back to Washington. What's going to happen? Is he going to get this big ovation? Oh, I think people knew he was going to get a big ovation, but was he going to homer in the in the return? Like, what was going to happen? The spotlight was supposed to be on him. And then it was on Tatis and what A.J. Preller was saying, because he was in Washington at the time, what he was telling the media. And then after the game, the spotlight was on, you know, Clevenger and Manny and what people said in the clubhouse. And Clev delivered the quote of, we don't need you. We got everyone we need. That didn't really work out well for Clevenger because he struggled in the postseason. It's like, well, maybe if we had someone else and not you, maybe we would have, we would have had some more success. Um, but at that time, I loved the Clevenger quote. I mean, yeah, we don't need you. You know, screw you for this season, Fernando. Like, don't even think about him anymore. Uh, go win, right? This is a playoff team. All you have to do is get hot. You have a lot of talent still on this offset offense. You still have talent in the rotation and the bullpen. Like we got to this point without you, Fernando, we can do this without you. And they got to the NLCS without him. Now, if he was with the team, what would have happened? That's something we're never going to know. We're never going to know if the Padres would have won the world series, if they had him this past season, but it's something that Padres fans are probably always going to ask, right? It's one of the what-ifs of the postseason. You know, there's what-ifs about managerial decisions, but there obviously a huge what-if was what if Fernando was with the Padres? What if he didn't get suspended, you know? 
And the way the events unfolded, like him not even telling people in San Antonio, and some people in the organization not even knowing where he was, and then a picture comes out on social media of Fernando at the airport in San Diego. It's like, wait, what? Why is he in San Diego? He's supposed to be in San Antonio rehabbing. He just tripled the other night. And then the news comes down, like, right before the Padres game, Passon drops the bomb that Tatis is suspended. It's, it's like, what? Just complete shock. That's when I, I was, I remember, I was on the couch, and the alert popped up, and I'm like, no way. No freaking way. And I, I was just sitting there, like, shocked. Seriously? I, I couldn't believe it. And then the whole thing, it was I thought it was embarrassing the whole way it unfolded with his dad, you know, saying this is like a disgrace and his mom trying to back up the ringworm story, posting a picture about it. It's like let Fern Fernando's an adult, okay? I get you're trying to protect him, but he's an adult. He needs to address this situation. He it's his fault, okay? He needs to own up to it and apologize to the fans, the media, talk, talk in public. Not just the statement, but you got to go talk in public. You did this. You got to go talk. And he eventually did. I sort of believed his apology. Um, it's hard. It was hard at the time to fully believe the apology, probably for some fans, because of what he did. He let the whole city down, right? Like, this was our guy. He still is our guy. Like, I'm still going to, you know, root for him. I don't know if I'm going to be giving him, like, a standing ovation when he comes back, but I'm still going to cheer for him. Um, I also am still going to remember that he hurt the team's chances of winning the whole thing in 2022. Like, I think that's fair. You can root for the guy because he's going to be here for the next decade. He's going to help the Padres win when they eventually win. And you can remember 2022. And, you know, some fans having the X on the 23 on their jerseys. I didn't, I didn't wear the Tatis jersey once after the suspension happened. I, I never wore it again. I still haven't worn it. So I don't know when that next time is going to be. Uh, but, yeah, it, it was just a huge, huge letdown. I didn't like the way that he handled it. But I did, I, I like the way that he, I, I did like the apology. Um, I thought he said everything. He said all the right things with the apology. And it seems like. The players uh, liked what he told them in the players-only meeting, and then he had the surgeries, the wrists, the shoulder, the shoulder surgeries, even though, you know, in the past, he didn't want them, but he was trying to do what was best for the team. So I give him props for doing that, uh, and we'll see how he does in the outfield because that's where he's going to be, at least for now, based on the roster. He's going to be in the outfield, and... Hopefully he's fully embracing that. I mean, he he can't like throw or do anything right now because he's still. I think he just took off his cast or brace or whatever he had there on his left arm, his uh, left wrist. But hopefully there's no setbacks and he can return April twentieth and come back at home on May first, and that it'll be sold out. And I think fans will cheer for Tatis. I don't think people should boo him. Like that doesn't do anything. The past is the past. You can't change it now. But I don't blame people for 
continuing to hold the grudge um, for now. Like, once he's playing, I don't see what the point is in uh, saying, I'm not rooting for this guy. Because then you're not rooting for the Padres. Like, he's on the Padres. This isn't like a bench player on the team. This is a core piece to the Padres. You want the Padres to win? Well, Fernando's going to be a big part of that. Like, give him the support. And I think, I think for most fans, probably including myself, like, even if some fans might not want to go all in on Fernando to start the season, they're going to want to at some point because they're going to see how other fans treat him at opposing ballparks and the hate that he's going to get on social media from other fan bases. Like, screw this guy, PEDs, how Dodger fans are going to treat him. Um, we're going to see that, and we're going to be like, you know what? No. It's us against the world, right? Fernando against everyone else. And we want to back Fernando. You know? So I think that's probably how it's going to work out. That's going to be a big storyline, obviously, in 2023. But the suspension went down in August. Um, August 23rd was the Tatis apology. There was the players-only meeting. Hater was demoted from the closer role in August. I already hit on that, so I don't want to hit on that again. Uh, he struggled, came back, props to him. Padres released Nomar Mazzara. They brought up Batten and Rosario, but that was pretty short-lived. Rosario didn't really get much playing time at all. He was just like the last man on the bench. Batten played a little bit, but not a ton. That was kind of in blowout games. So moving to the month of September, Crony had the walk-off single against the Dodgers. That was great. Back and forth game there. I think Clev started that game. Uh, September 15th, they had that terrible loss against the Diamondbacks. You had guys hitting grounders to the pitcher, you know, one, two, three innings, not hustling to first base. Bob Melvin tears into the team post game, I guess, in the clubhouse and to the media. Um, said some pretty, like, that. that's probably the most pissed off that we had seen Melvin up to, the, up to that point. Um, and then it was either later that night or I think it was the next day before batting practice and stuff. When they got to the ballpark, they had the players-only meeting, and that was where Crony, Crony uh, did the burn the ships thing, wrote it on the whiteboard. Like All those people, all of the guys in the clubhouse that want or that have these personal wants, these personal desires, like put that aside, put that on the ship, burn it, you can't go back to them. You can't go back and have those personal desires and you know act selfishly, right? There's only one way to go. If you want to win a World Series, we got to act as a team, do what's best for the team. No more selfishness. Be a team player. And that's what happened. They ended up winning five in a row. They beat Zach Gallon in Arizona that weekend. They played pretty solid against the Cardinals, if I remember correctly. So that worked. Uh, there were T-shirts sold. By the way, if you want those, I think they're still available. Just go to breakingtea.com slash talkingfriars. That should be the working link. Uh, if that's if the, if that shirt doesn't pop up when that link, if you go to that link, just scroll down and it will be there on probably one of the recommended links. You'll see it. Um, but yeah, that was 
part of September, the Padres prevented Pujols from getting number uh, home run number 500. It was 500, right? Or seven? No, was it 700? It was 700, I think, right? I'm totally blanking on what, how, how many, it was 700, yeah. Anyway, they kept Pujols from getting to that 700 number at Peco Park. Like, Snell pitched great. Remember, he had like 13 strikeouts. It was like his best start of the season, it felt like. Tremendous. He had a no-hitter at one point there, deepened in the game. And then Pujols, obviously, next series, they go to Dodger Stadium, and he hits, like, what, two home runs in a game? And he gets to 700. He was two away going into the Padres series. And we were like, yeah, that's not going to happen. Some fans wanted the Pujols home run to happen at Petco. Maybe I'm hypocritical here. Maybe I wanted it to happen at Petco. I probably did, huh? Damn it. So I'm, I'm probably being hypocritical. Now that I look back on it, I'm like, okay, you guys are idiots for thinking that for wanting the home runs to happen at Petco. Like, why would you want that? The Padres, they're still fighting for a postseason spot. It just doesn't make sense. Like, you can watch it on TV at Dodger Stadium. Like, okay? We don't need it to happen here. That's going to be playing for the rest of time. Just like the Bartolo Colon home run happening here. Mets fans keep playing that over and over. I'm kind of fine with it now because it was James Shields. But... They keep playing that over and over. Well, they're going to be playing this over and over if that happens. And so I didn't want that happening. Uh, and Zach Campbell was there too. So that was cool that he didn't catch it. There was no home runs to catch there from Pujols' bat. Uh, but yeah, at the, back at that time, I might have actually wanted it to happen at Petco's because I was at that Tuesday game. So I wanted to be able to see it like in person. But now that I look back on it, it's like, you idiot. Why Why did you want it to happen at Petco? Come on, dude. But it didn't, so that was good. Uh, the Alfaro walk-off walk happened against the Dodgers. That was in September at home. And then moving into October, obviously the Padres, they clinched that playoff spot as Milwaukee lost in extra innings to Miami at home. Padres lost to the White Sox, but they clinched a playoff spot in the middle of the game, in the middle of the loss. Uh, I remember we were sitting in a regular season ticket seat to my family. Then it was so hot that we went down where we had more family down the right field line, right field corner to sit there. As we were walking to the seats, I had the Marlins game playing on my phone. And I was watching, uh, walking the concourse and the Rojas single put the Marlins in the lead. And I turned back to my mom. Marlins took the lead. And so we were super excited about that. And then we get to my uncle's seats, and I'm still watching the game. I, I didn't have a whole lot of interest in the Padres game at the time because the Padres could make the playoffs with this, with, uh, this Miami win. And Marlins win. They made it. Now, I actually, I mean, the, the people around me, we ended up kind of, learning that the Padres made the playoffs because someone else had it, had the game in front of what I did on my phone. They had the Marlins game, Marlins Brewers. They, they learned of the result, like, I want to say 15, 30 seconds before us, and 
they start standing up and turning around and yelling. It's like, all right, well, I think we made the playoffs. And then I see it happen. We made the playoffs. Then half inning, or no, no. I think the crowd starts clapping. And then the half inning came. And they announced it on the Jumbotron. And everyone goes nuts that didn't know about it. It was just cool. And then after the game, they lost. But now, now they go celebrating, get the shirts on. And I'll remember that for a while, uh, seeing Manny and Will walk off the field, clapping to the fans, because we didn't get to see them in 2020 in the ballpark, you know, clinch that playoff spot. 2021, they collapsed. So for them to make the postseason through all they've been through this past year, you know, no Tatis and all that, uh, it was cool. You know, seeing Myers there, uh, I think I, I definitely had some tears, definitely, when I uh, was watching that. Uh, I think everyone else had left or they went in the shade or whatever. But that was when the game was over and the celebration was still happening. But I just remember I was like, I want to soak this in. I want to, I don't know when the next time this is going to happen. Uh, I haven't really had this happen in my lifetime, like be in the ballpark when the Padres clinched a playoff spot. So I wanted to have that sink in um, and just appreciate that moment. Right. I, I don't like taking things for granted. Like, even the smallest things. I, I try not to. Um, I'm trying to improve on that, definitely. So that was that was cool to uh, see that and see Will, you know, get that moment. And then obviously postseason comes. Well, hang on. First, Myers had his last regular season game at Petco as a Padre. I think he homered earlier in the series against the Giants, comes off. Melvin puts him at third, so he had a uh, longer walk to the dugout so the fans could give him a longer ovation. Peco Park played a tribute video or whatever, a thank you video that they had pre-prepared. Uh, they did the Polaroid camera, the Polaroid photo or whatever in the dugout. Musgrove got the guys together. That was cool. Myers saluting the crowd. That was that was cool. Um, that wasn't his last game at Peco Park as a Padre. That came in the NLCS. But it was a cool moment. And then postseason comes. Padres hit four home runs off Scherzer. Musgrove shoves uh, as they win that series two games to one. Obviously, the ear gate. Buck Showalter looks like an idiot, um, which I'm happy that that kind of happened because it validated Musgrove's performance, to be honest. Like, okay, you check. He wasn't cheating. You were looking at the balls earlier in the game. He wasn't cheating. He just dominated you. Right. I didn't like Mets fans, you know, chanting cheater at Musgrove, but I guess they all they saw was Musgrove or all they saw was the umpires checking and they were like, Oh, he's cheating, he's cheating. No, he wasn't cheating. Come on. They just didn't see what we were seeing, right? Which was absolute domination. And there there was no proof of Musgrove cheating. Like if you go look at previous starts, his ears were shiny. Like some people just sweat easier than others and there's a thing called adrenaline right so that happened then they go to the nlds padres lose game one clevenger sucked uh game two they come back suarez gets out of the jams crony was huge profar had a go-ahead hit crony had the uh insurance home run hater comes in almost allows a home run to freddie freeman but he gets out of it they get the win um then they go back for game three at petco Grisham homers, go-ahead home run. Crony had a single, which gave the Padres the first run of the game, which 
people overlook, but they wouldn't have won at that time without that. So that was huge. Uh, was Snell pitching in that game? I think he was. He pitched good. The bullpen was solid. Game four, obviously the best Padre game of my lifetime, especially best Padre game I've been at in my lifetime. Um, down three, nothing. Looked like it was going to go back to a game five, and it was like, damn it, Dodger Stadium. Julio Arias was going to be on the mound for the Dodgers. Wasn't looking too good. But then the Padres come back. Musgrove kept them in the game. Six innings, two runs. Wilson allowed a run, but then the bullpen, Hill swore his hater, didn't allow any runs. Five runs, seventh inning. You had Nola with the grounder. You had Kim with the double. Soto ties it up. Crony comes through to give it, give the Padres a 5-3 lead. He's you know the most jacked up, pumped up that you've ever seen him. Um Peco Park goes nuts. They have all the small things in the eighth inning. Uh, man, I'm going to remember that for probably the rest of my life. High-fiving strangers, and it's just like they finally did it. You know, they, they finally did it. They slayed the dragon. Seeing Will, uh, seeing videos after the game of Will, you know, downtown in the gas lamp, buying beers for everyone, and high-fiving fans outside the parking garage, and I guess the players went around the field after they were done celebrating in the clubhouse or mid-celebration, whatever. They went back out, went around the stadium, high-fiving fans. Uh, so that was cool. Really, really cool moment. And to see how pumped up Manny was, because he was a Dodger. But since 2019, he saw how much the Dodgers beat up on the Padres and beat up on him. And uh, he was like, yeah, no more. Not happening anymore. You know, pure joy, right? That, that's that's the, the greatness of sports, the pure joy that can come from doing something that you don't think uh, is possible at times. I mean, some Padres fans, I'm sure a lot of Padres fans were like, man, when you're seeing the Padres get beat down year in, year out, they were four and what, 15 against the Dodgers in the regular season this past season? It's like, I mean, I guess I give the Padres a chance because there's talent, but we didn't see it during the regular season. But it happened. Um, they were playing well at the right time, right? They just smacked the Mets. I know they lost game two, but it was against DeGrom. And there were still encouraging signs in that game. They were playing the best baseball at that time. And the Dodgers had the time off. It's like, well, we have the pitchers that we want on the mound. We have the talent. We can do this. And they did it. NLCS, obviously, that didn't end up great, but you still had the Game 2 memory where we still do have that, the comeback, and Jury and Bell with the back-to-back -back home runs. Jury coming through with the uh, go-ahead hit. Something about the singles to center, the go-ahead hits at Petco Park, right? Um, Josh Bell with the liner down the right field line. Soto had a hit, too, after the Sun Bowl. I didn't see that from my seats, but uh, that was a great win. Um, and Game 1, I mean... If the offense just would have come through, Zach Wheeler pitched great, Darvish pitched great. The Phillies won what one or two nothing. Schwarber hit a bomb, or Schwar was it Schwarber and Harper? It was a close game. Padres got one hit in that game, and it was Myers, I think. Um, so yeah, they go to Philly. Should have won. Should have won those games. Uh, Should have won. You can make the argument. Should have won two of those games, maybe three, but. Two of those games, win game um, four, because you had a, what, 3 nothing lead, 
you had a 6-4 lead. Was it? No, it was a 4-0 lead, right? 4-0, 6-4. They lost that game. Game 5 had a late lead and gave up the home run. Um, yeah, it should have went back to Petco Park. That's another what if. What if the series went back to Petco Park? Would the Padres have been able to win it? Who knows? They would have had, what, Musgrove and Snell on the mound, I think, for six and seven. Had the crowd behind him. I would have liked their chances. Like, I would have rather had it go back to Petco. You know, see that, see Petco Park one more time like that. That would have been cool. But it didn't happen. You know, another what if. What if Hader was in the game? What if Tatis was on the field and it wasn't Kim in the lineup? It's it's nothing against Kim, but we know Tatis is the better player. Now we just got to move on, right? Move on to 2023. We hope that Tatis can be healthy. We have Bogarts. We have a better team than last year, I think. If we make a couple more additions that need to be made. Um, but there's still more to talk about. November, December, November, Manny was placed. Uh, he, play, he placed second in the NL MVP. I thought he should have won over Paul Goldschmidt, but maybe that's just a biased Padre fan, or maybe it's just a reasonable fan looking at the awards title, most valuable player. Who's the most valuable player? It was Manny. Like Goldschmidt had Arenado. Manny had Eric Hosmer for a month, Cronenworth for a month, hot. Wasn't fully healthy after the ankle injury, but came back early because he knew how valuable he was to the Padres. I don't know. Maybe that's just me thinking that if the Padres didn't have Manny, they wouldn't have made the postseason. MVP isn't the end of the world to not win, but it would have been nice to have Manny get that, um, get that reg the recognition. Because here's the funny thing, right? He doesn't win Silver Slugger. He doesn't win Gold Glove. But he places higher than Arenado in the MVP. And he gets the all, M all MLB vote for third base. Best players from either league. Just the best player in Major League Baseball at each position. He won that over Arenado. But done, didn't win the Gold Glove. Didn't win Silver Slugger. Hmm, interesting. So that happened in November. The Padres signed Nick Martinez. Uh, they signed Robert Suarez. Um, five years, $46 million. I think those two deals, they should work out for the Padres. Um, Martinez, who knows what's going to happen after 2023, but we can't focus on that right now, right? We got to focus on 2023 because the Padres have a chance to win the World Series in 2023. They're one of the best teams in baseball on paper, right? And I think Martinez, even if he doesn't work out in the rotation, and it's not a guarantee that he will, if he doesn't work out in the rotation, well, we know he does work in the bullpen, so he'll be an asset. Robert Suarez... Maybe the last couple years of that deal won't work, but he's going to be the closer for 2024, I would think. I don't think Hader's going to come back after this year. Some team's going to give him a bunch of money. Um, and for this year, I mean, that Hader-Suarez combo at the end of this past season worked out pretty well, didn't it? I'd say so. So uh, there's no reason for me, for me to believe that Hader-Suarez combo won't work out again. Hopefully, Pomeranz can be healthy. They've added Seth Lugo, who I think will end up being in the bullpen. They added him here in December. They claimed 
Sean Popinoff waivers to add to the bullpen. Uh, they got Jose Lopez in the Rule 5 draft, so he will be on the roster. Or if he's not, he's sent back to the Rays. They signed David Dahl to a minor league deal. Right now, is he the starting left fielder, or is it Jose Zokar or Brandon Dixon? Like, they need more depth. They need to go get a left fielder, someone who can play there, because it's not a guarantee for Tatis to be healthy. And I think that the Padres don't want to be relying on David Dahl to be their starting left fielder on opening day or be a starting outfielder if one of the three starting outfielders gets hurt. He is on a minor league deal for a reason. He's probably the Nomar Mazzara of this year. Uh, I've seen that he's been working hard this offseason to improve, but I'm sure there's a lot of guys that are working hard. So we'll see what happens in spring training. Uh, but sometimes those numbers in spring training, like Mazzara, didn't he have a great spring training? He was okay with the Padres, but he, he didn't end the year you know, on the major league roster or anything like that. So we'll see with that signing. Um, during the winter meetings, they offered Trey Turner $342 million. They met with Aaron Judge at Petco and were willing to offer him 414 Judge just wanted to go back to the Yankees. So it's not the end of the world. Um, Trey Turner wanted to go to the East Coast. I would have loved to have Trey Turner, but we knew he was going to go back to the Phillies. Um, so I was okay losing out on those guys. It's not like the Padres didn't try, right? All they could do was try. At, at the end of the day, it wasn't in their hands. They go in, last day of the winter meetings, the night, that night, they get uh, Xander Bogarts, $280 million, 11 years. I was stoked. Um, I saw, I was, I think I was about to go to bed or something that night, and it pops up. John Heyman, I think, did it who had some trouble earlier in that week for the winter meetings, but he got, he puts it in, or he puts it out. Bogarts, Padres. Wow, we landed Bogarts. Let's go. Uh, I was pumped up. End of that contract might not look great. Who knows how many years Xander plays shortstop for the Padres. But what we do know is we're getting one of the best shortstops in baseball right now, and that's what matters for the Padres. What matters for the Padres is right now. Right, Manny Machado, he's, it's not a guarantee that he's going to be here this next season. Juan Soto is here. Tatis will be here. Right, you, go get this. Go get this player. What does it take to get Xander Bogarts? They probably went further than what it took, but they got him. Right, that's what matters. They're getting a four-time All-Star. They're getting a guy that had 30-plus home runs in 2019. That's not that long ago. Um, they're getting a guy that will probably have, I hope close to 100 RBIs when he, because he has all this talent around him. You look at 2018, 2019, you look at those Red Sox teams when they had the talent around them, when, or when Bogarts had that talent around him, J.D. Martinez, Mookie Betts, uh, Benintendi was there in 18 when he was, like, really good. Um, they had the talent. Bogarts had the talent around him, and he, does, he has that here. Tatis when he comes back. Manny, Soto, Cronenworth. Matt Carpenter, hopefully. We'll see what he gets, what, what we can get out of him. Uh, Grisham, hopefully he can produce more than he did this past year. It, it can't get worse, right? We'll see what, how Campy develops. We'll see what Nola can bring. Asan Kim, you'd think he's going to continue to get better, right? Get stronger. Uh, so he has the talent around him like he did with Boston. And maybe that's going to be, maybe that's a good kind of, 
episode or video ideas. See, compare this Padres team to the Red Sox and see how that fits around Bogarts. Um, but just looking at, well, not looking at it, but just kind of trying to remember the Red Sox roster back then, uh, he had the talent around him. And Bogarts has that here. So I'm expecting big things out of Bogarts. He improved defensively this past season. He'll probably hit fourth or third in the Padres lineup. He really hit second or third with the Red Sox. So I don't know if they'll hit him fourth. But when Tatis comes back, I want Tatis, Manny, and Soto hitting. Not in that order, but I want those three hitting in the first inning. I want them up as much as possible. I think those are your three best hitters. I think Bogarts is probably fourth. So maybe they put Bogarts fourth then. We'll see. We'll see, though. Um, but yeah, I was very excited about that Bogart signing. San Diego, that is a great name. Don gets to reunite uh, with Xander, and he gets to call his games again. Red Sox fans are not too happy, or they were really pissed off when the signing happened. Maybe they're a little happy. Whoa, whoa, hang on. Slow down, Ben. Let me see if I can speak. They're probably a little happier now compared to right after Bogarts because they have signed some players. They did bring in, I know they wanted J.D. Martinez back, but they brought in Justin Turner. Uh, Yoshida, they overpaid, but he's probably a solid player in left. They did bring in Kenley Jansen, Chris Martin, Corey Kluber. So they have made additions, um, but... The Red Sox, I mean, they said their number one priority was bringing back Xander Bogarts, and it, it obviously was not their number one priority, or else they would have brought Xander Bogarts back. They were $120 million off from the Padres' offer. And I'm not saying the Red Sox should have offered him 11 years, 280. But they should have been more aggressive with him in spring training this past season instead of lowballing him. If they would have offered six for 160 then, maybe they would have gotten a deal done in spring training or during the season. But they didn't. They low-balled him. And now, who knows if Rafael Devers wants to be a Red Sox. Because he's seen, Bo he's seen Bogarts go out the door. He's seen Betts go out the door. Martinez is gone now. So we'll see what happens there. I know this isn't a Red Sox show, but uh, Red Sox fans, they're, what I'll say, I'll relate it to the Padres like this. They are jealous that we get Bogarts and Don for the next decade plus. Because we know Don's not going anywhere. We know Mud's not going anywhere. So we get that for the next decade plus. I am very happy about that. And Sander Bogarts, he looks like another team leader. A guy that fits in the clubhouse. A guy that has a good personality. I started a Major League Baseball YouTube channel after he, he coined the phrase baseball struck. Because I think that's what I am too. Like 24-7 baseball. Maybe not 24-7, because I don't think even he is 24-7 baseball. Like, he was at, like, the Phoenix Suns game when that deal was agreed upon, so it's not 24-7 baseball. But you get what he's saying. Like, addicted to baseball more than other people, more than regular, normal human beings, right? Uh, so, by the way, you can go check that out, my MLB channel, Baseball Struck. I'm uploading videos every day. Um, but, yeah, I, I just love how committed he is. and how much he wants to win. So I can't wait for that. Can't wait to see him spring training uh, and start the season in a Padres uniform and be at shortstop. Also, what happened in December earlier this month, they signed Matt Carpenter, first base, DH, could play some outfield. 
second base if needed. I don't think you're going to see him at second base a lot, but if needed, he, I guess he could play there. Um, I'm not expecting Matt Carpenter to be Babe Ruth and hit like he did at Yankee Stadium when he was healthy this past year, but if they can get you know, a degree of that production, like a fraction of that production, I'll be happy. Like that is a, he was on pace for what, like 60 home runs with that, the play that he, and all the home runs he was hitting. If he can give me 25 home runs, like sign me up. Like that's, that's a quality, quality bat right there to be hitting sixth, seventh in the order. Yeah. Then Seth Lugo, they're going to give him a chance to start. We'll see what happens. As I said earlier, I don't think he's going to be in the rotation at season's end. I think he'll be in the bullpen, but Either way, whatever role he takes, it will make the pitching staff better. And that's all I care about. So I think that's a good signing. I like the signing. As a starter, I don't love the signing, but I like the signing overall because, again, he's going to improve the pitching staff. Um, he was one of the Mets' like only relievers that they trust, that Buck trusted, Buck Showalter, in the postseason. It was Edwin Diaz, who's like the best reliever, one of the best closers in baseball. We have Suarez and Hader. Um, they might have something to say about that, but it was Diaz and Lugo. That was it. Now the Padres have one of those guys. So I think you got to be happy about that if you're a Padres fan. And then obviously to end the month, or not end the month, but it was one of the events that happened recently. Will Myers, his Padres tenure officially comes to an end, heads to Cincinnati. That was a sad reaction uh, episode, show, whatever you want to call it, to do. Because Will was one of my favorite Padres. He's one of my favorite Padres of all time. Um, been here for eight years, ups and downs. And he really related to the fans. He cared about the fans. Was signing autographs all the time when he didn't even want to really be the leader of the franchise. But that's what the, that's the position the team put him in, right? Uh, but to see him, you know, beat the Dodgers in his last year, and, and see his wife Maggie, and just them embrace the fans you know that was really really cool uh so I, I can't wait to see him come back to petco may 1st hopefully i'll be at all of those games when the reds come to town um but yeah it, it sucked it sucked to see someone like that who spent so many years with the padres leave the padres but you kind of saw it coming when matt carpenter signed with the team but i have a ton of memories i, I made a big tribute video that's up here on the YouTube channel that you can go watch if you haven't already uh, about the times, uh, about all the great memories uh, that I remember uh, of Will being a Padre, the All-Star game, the cycle, um, the playoffs in 2020 with the home runs, his defense in this postseason, his last regular season game. Uh, yeah, it, some of the walk-offs, the walk-off in 2020. Him buying beer for everyone. Uh, it was a great time with the Padres, I think. I don't think he lived up to the contract, but it was still a successful end to the tenure. Okay, so that is my year in review, pretty much. That's the last, that's the last thing that I had on my uh, notes here. I'm just checking Twitter to see if anything has happened. I don't want to miss. I don't want to miss anything. Okay, I don't think I missed anything. So 
Let's end it here with the chat. Um, Adam says, Haas sucks. LOL Cubs just desperate and Orioles have bad players who had bad contracts with other teams like James McCann. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, James McCann's a veteran. Do they really need Haas? I'm trying to look out for him, you know. Joseph says, do you think the Padres will get Pablo Lopez or Johnny Cueto? I think they'll get one of them. Probably Cueto. Uh, I don't want to make a trade for Pablo Lopez if they have to give up um, Grisham right now. If they have a plan, okay, sure. But I don't think they'd trade Grisham without a plan. But um, they better be sure they can go get someone better than Grisham or have that guy already on the roster before they trade Grisham. David asks, how was the winter meeting experience? It was good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was a lot of standing around, but I got good interviews. Ken Rosenthal, Mark DeRosa, who else I get? Kevin AC. Um, who else did I get? I'm totally blanking on other guys. Those were the, the big um, interviews that I got. But yeah. Broadcast, or not broadcast, I mean, kind of broadcasting. Going live from there every night, that was cool. Um, yeah, just seeing all of the baseball community come together, it, it was cool. Brett says Padres should get Bauer. Okay, I'm not going to spend time on that. I already say, I, people already know my thoughts on that. They're not getting Trevor Bauer. Just ending it right there. Brett says, MLB snubbed Manny, didn't give him a gold glove nom. Yeah, yeah. Not even being a gold glove nomination. Yeah, that's... Yikes. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, he, he was the all-MLB third baseman, but then wasn't nominated for the gold glove, didn't win the silver slugger. How does that make sense? It doesn't. Brett says, is Nick Martinez the best number five? I'd probably have him. No. I mean, right now he's the four starter. Uh, maybe they have Lugo as the four. But Martinez and Lugo are the four five. Darvish, Musgrove, Snell, Martinez, and Lugo. Uh, so, yeah, right now, probably Mar if you have, Mar let's say Lugo's the four and Martinez is the five. Yeah, Nick Martinez is probably the best five starter. Um. And then after that, it's Morhone, Jay Groom, Ryan Weathers. Those are the depth options. Fly God says, I surprisingly am excited for Matt Carpenter. I like what he said about being excited to bring a championship to a city who's never had one. This goes to show that we will be trying that we will be trying his he will be trying his best. Hope he has a good season. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think he's excited. He wants to be on a winner. I think he, I mean, he said it on the press conference. He values um, being the first to do something in a city. And yeah, he'd be, if he does something big in the postseason, he'd probably be a legend with the Padres winning a World Series. If he can stay healthy, he's going to be a solid addition. All right. Almost on here for two hours. Oh, I see um, some comments here. 
Yeah, Flygon97 says, I'm going to feel bad for Myers if the Padres win the World Series in 2023. I probably will too, but I'll probably be really, really happy for the city, for my family, for the players, for everyone involved. I'm not going to say I'll forget about Myers. I'm not going to forget. I'm going to say, Padres, give this guy a ring. <laughs> uh, but um, I'll, I'll probably just be super, super, super happy about the Padres winning. Like, I'm not even dreaming about the Padres winning a World Series because that's like, or maybe I am now because it's in sight. Like, I, I think it can happen. But middle of last year, I didn't think they could go win the World Series. Um, especially after, after the Tati suspension. I, I thought they had a chance to, you know, win some rounds in the world in the playoffs, but I didn't think that they were going to go win the World Series. Uh, but they got to the NLCS, and they're, I think they're going to be a better team this year than they were this past season. After going to the NLCS, yeah, you could see a World Series coming to San Diego. So, um, yeah, if they do win, yes, I'll feel bad for Myers. But he had a successful end to his tenure with the Padres, I think. Sure, it would have been more successful if they won the World Series or if they got to the World Series. But to beat the Dodgers, that's one heck of a way to end the tenure with the Padres, you know? Uh, Colton says, I really don't want Manny to opt out. Well, yeah, I don't want him to opt out either. I obviously, yeah, I, I love Manny. I think we all love Manny. This guy, I think he loves San Diego as well. I think he will opt out or restructure the contract before he gets to free agency. He's not going to play these final five years on 150 in this current contract, I don't think. Are you kidding? The money that he saw in free agency flying around? Bogarts just got paid till he's 40 years old. You think Manny doesn't want that? Of course he does. He can get another $300 million contract from the Padres. I think that's where it probably should start. Just give him, give it, renegotiate, tack on another five years. Or maybe, maybe they, they keep the five for 150 for the first five years. And then they give him five or six, seven years uh, with more than 150 for the back end of the contract. If he wants to play till he's 42 or 40, however long he wants to play, you pay him till however long he wants to play because you want those prime years of Manny Machado. You want him to go into the Hall of Fame as a Padre, right? So, yeah, Colton, I don't want Manny to opt out, but we know it's a business. I think. I think he wants to stay with the Padres. So what I think will happen is he will opt out at the end of the season and he will come back. Seidler will pay him money to come back, whatever money he wants. Seidler will pay him and he'll be a Padre for the rest of his career. I think that'll happen or Seidler will go to him before the season ends and say, hey, sign this check, blank check. You're a Padre for the rest of your career. Or he'll do what how Steinbrenner did with Judge. Do you want to be a Yankee? Okay, we're going to get this done. So either we'll, he will do this. Do you want to be a Padre? Then we're going to get this done. Sign right here. Whatever you want, we're going to get this done. I think that's what will happen. Maybe it gets to free agency like I 
talked about in option A, but option B, I hope, is what happens. Is it doesn't even get to that point, right? Padres fans don't have to even stress about free agency like Yankees fans had to with Judge. They just renegotiate the contract or they tack on another five, six, seven years to that deal. And we're all happy. All parties are happy. All parties involved can be happy. That's what I hope happens. We'll see. All right. This was a fun episode. A long episode. Almost two hours long that I've been talking. Man, I need to probably go get a drink of water. Um, Year in review. A lot happened in 2022. I want to thank everyone uh, for tuning in to every show, live stream. If you're listening on the podcast platforms, sincerely, I'm not just saying this like some people do. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. No, truly. Thank you. I I love interacting with you. Hopefully this is the most interactive Padres show out there. Uh, I try to make a point to interact with you guys. It might not be, you know, throughout the entire live stream, but I get to it eventually. Um, So thank you. Thank you for the support. Thank you for uh, asking questions on social media, reaching out, and people at the ballpark. I was working the Holiday Bowl, and someone working security uh, said, hey, what's up, Talking Friars? Like, thank you for that. Um, Padres, The Padres community, San Diego community, it is a truly, truly special uh, group of people. So again, thank you for the support 2022. And hopefully you'll continue uh, along with this journey. Hopefully it's with the Padres World Series in 2023. Uh, but that's it. Episode 312 is done. Thank you so much for tuning in. See ya. Go Padres.